Welcome to The Lisa Show, where we take a good look at life. I want you to stop and think for a second. When was the last time you exercised just because it was fun? Not because you felt like you were supposed to, or because someone pressured you to, or because you felt guilty that it had been way too long since you last worked out, but just because you wanted to. I think a lot of us find that in the middle of our busy lives, the only thing that really gets us up and moving is the guilt and shame we feel when we look in the mirror and see something that we don't want to see. More often than not, exercise is just a tool to beat and punish our bodies until they look the way that we want them to. I've been there, and I'm sure you've been there at some point, too. But why does it have to be this way? Why is it so easy to hate the way that we look and so hard just to take the time to exercise without subjecting ourselves to so much shame first? In this episode of the Lisa Show's Body Image Series, I want to understand where we're going wrong when it comes to exercise and to empower all of us to find a healthier and more enjoyable relationship to moving our bodies. I talked to both a personal trainer and a mental health expert, and later on, I'll show you how they reframe exercise. But first, I talked to the Council of Moms, consisting this week of Whitney Call, Emily Spencer, and Josephine Bills, about how they talk about exercise in their homes. Here's what Josephine had to say. When I didn't have kids, I did equate it to if I work out, I will be this size, and when I get to that size, it will make me happy. Mm. You were you were in that You're place, right. yeah. Because mm-hmm. I didn't have kids, I was just kind of worrying about my own mind and how I looked at myself. But now I have kids, and they ask me, "Why are you always working out?" And I go, "Because I want to be able to run around with you when I'm old, you know." Yeah. yeah. And I just want, and they're like, oh, "Okay, so if you move your body, you can just keep moving as well." So my eight year old is like, "Oh, I want to work out with you." Mm. Just because she's like, oh, I just want to be active and I just love moving around. So just making it positive. Or we do like family walks or we'll like Mm. do things together. We go outside and play soccer together. Mm -hmm. So it's never like, hey, we got to go run because you need it. Let's just go. Let's just enjoy it. And we go to the park and we play. So just keeping it positive. And then even if you yourself are struggling... Because it's okay, we all, we're human, and I still struggle as well. And then... Are you better about it? Yes. But also, like, I get up at 7 or 6 so I can have my hour of just hardcore workout, you know? Because mentally, that's what I need to be in a place where I can be a mom for my kids mm. as well. And it took me a really long time to kind of separate that. Because I had body image issues. When I first got married, I had to cover all the mirrors in my house. Because the way I saw myself, very different from like how everyone saw me. Like, oh, you're fit. Like, what are you thinking about? You know, what what do you mean? Mm. I didn't see myself that way. It was like, no, the body dysmorphia. I saw myself bigger. So I had to, I guess for me, I was like, I need to cover the mirrors in my house. I can't do it. I really empathize with the struggle that Josephine is talking about. In my work as an actress, I have to get used to really looking at myself objectively on a screen or in a print ad. 
uh, or on TV or social media as part of my job. And sometimes it's really hard to step away from that and look at it objectively. There is always 100% this pressure before doing any project whether it's TV or a movie or even just a print ad of, ooh, could I exercise just a little bit more just to be in the best shape, just to tone everything up a little bit or just to look 10% or 1% better. So it's this weird idea that we use exercise in order to quote-unquote look our best, which is actually a really narrow definition that we apply to all of us. And it seems like a constant pressure. And that's just in one industry. I know that it's not just in the acting world, that it's in a lot of different places where, I don't know, you have to be out in society, which is a lot of, of different professions. So why is this so hard? I mean, for me, for Josephine, for everyone, even when we're feeling healthy and strong, we can still feel so much pressure to exercise more and more to look a certain way. After working with hundreds of clients trying to lose weight, personal trainer Matt Peel told me where he thinks a lot of this pressure is coming from. I think there's information overload out there uh, with social media and seeing all these videos that get put out by people um, who are working on one area and with our instant gratification society, well, then I should be able to do this in the next 35 seconds because I just saw a TikTok that took 17 seconds and and this person went from uh, 200 pounds to 120 pounds now competing in the bodybuilding. Well, I can do that in 35 seconds. Like, no, no, that's not how it works. I also brought this question to therapist and mental health expert, John Sovek, to better understand why we feel so much guilt and shame to exercise more. And here's how he explained the problem. I think when we see all of those articles, we figure we must be doing it wrong. And that idea that somehow you moving your body in whatever way feels appropriate to you is wrong, that's something we need to fight against. That's actually what feeds this multi-billion dollar industry all of this information on us Mm -hmm. feeling we're failing somehow. So if I sign up for the next coolest class, or if I buy the best fitness gear, or if I get this particular set of shoes or follow this diet guru, then that's supposed to be where our answers are. I think because it's become such an industry, I mean, it is a multi-billion dollar industry that we have kind of been like sold this bill of goods as to how our fitness is supposed to come about. And it's supposed to come about by taking the hardest class at the poshest gym, you know, doing a thing for 90 days straight that breaks down our body and makes it hurt so badly. But we're going for this unattainable result that only a very small percentage of human bodies actually do. I think we get so caught up in the industry and the image of fitness that we lose the fact that it's actually a daily part of our existence. I want to pause on what John just said. Exercise can and could be a daily part of our existence. In my mind, that means that we need to stop focusing on the superficial consequence of exercise, like looking thin, which we now won't last and isn't even a realistic possibility for everyone. We need to start focusing on the long-term internal benefits of exercise that will bring us this kind of deep-seated resilient fulfillment that lasts a lifetime. 
John explained what one of those benefits are. We live in a world where we're encouraged to isolate all the time. We've been through a pandemic where we had to isolate. As we come back into the world, we a lot of people have lost their understanding of how to actually socialize and connect. But I think it'd be really powerful about group classes, and I see this all the time, is when people come to the yoga studio where I teach, at first they come in, they roll out their mat, they do yeah. their yoga, they roll it up, and then they leave. And then about six weeks in, they bring their mat early (laughs) and they lay down on the mat and they kind of maybe say hello to someone by them. And then by about month four or five, they're in the lobby chatting up. They're having coffee with friends. They're doing, they're finding community. And once again, in that group fitness class, you're more there than just the exercise. You're creating fitness, you're creating connection, you're creating support for each other. There are probably people there that you check in with, like, oh, it's hard to get here today. Like, we're glad you made it, Lisa. (laughs) That community is another offshoot of the mental health and well-being of what fitness can do for us. When we come together and we work on something as a group, we create community really quickly. Personal trainer Matt also told me about a benefit that his clients have felt when they first get started exercising regularly. Someone's never exercised. We talk about someone who has been sedentary for years or or decades and all of a sudden decides to work out. Uh, They really do feel and notice the mood change and are surprised on how it impacts them in that regard. They didn't anticipate it. For someone who has experienced exercise, they get used to that feeling, that dopamine release, that adrenaline release. And so they come back and continue to want it. After Matt told us about how starting to exercise can improve your mood, we did some of our own research. We found that studies show that regular aerobic exercise, things like running, swimming, walking, or biking, decreases anxiety and depression by improving self-esteem and cognitive function. This is a big deal. The science shows that finding ways to move your body on a regular basis can have a real tangible effect on our mental health. John Sovic explained one way in which this happens. Sometimes our best achieved mental health is noticed by the community we've created around us. We tend to isolate. That often leads to depression, anxiety, you know, suicidal ideation, feelings of loss and disconnection. So even small amounts of connection can have a huge effect on our mental health and well-being. There's also the, the simple biochemical, neurobiological idea of getting out and doing exercise helps to stimulate the body. It helps the hippocampus grow, which releases really good you know, chemicals into the body. There's another piece of this puzzle though that I think is really powerful. And this is why I do a lot of like hiking and outdoor stuff is the awe factor. The moment that you're you're out taking a morning walk, I think sunrises are spectacular, oh. and I see more sunrises than most people see sunsets. <laughs> but there's something in that morning, there's a certain quietness, there's a certain golden light that comes up with a sunrise. And those all moments also help stimulate our mental health and well-being. So if you're out and you're taking a walk and you see that a neighbor has planted some a garden and something's blooming and you're like, oh, that's so beautiful. That awe moment is both fitness and it's also mental fitness. 
And that, I think, are some of the, the beautiful aspects of how exercise can come together with our mental well-being. Okay, so the benefits that John is describing sound great. And I'm sure that for many of you, and myself included, this isn't the first time you've heard that exercise will make you happier. But knowing that doesn't necessarily make it easier to get up off the couch. Or if we do manage to get up and get to the gym, it's so hard not to be super consistent for a few weeks and then fall off the wagon again. So what can we do to make it stick? Something fundamental must need to change. Here's what John had to say. I think initially the the first part of it is changing the idea of what a fit body is. For me, a fit body in my life is the one that says I can go hiking up in the mountains here and be able to enjoy the experience of it. It means when I'm traveling, I can like climb the steps to the top tower of Notre Dame. I want to interject here to say this is a major shift in how I think about being fit. It has nothing to do with looks and everything to do with being able to do the things that we want to do. He continued. That to me is my personal approach to fitness, that my body does not interfere with the things that I want to do in my life. And I encourage that in a lot of the people that I have conversations with, because ultimately that is us taking the best care of our body machines. And so this idea of what's on the front of a magazine with ripped abs, uh, there was this uh, thing that I just saw recently and they were talking about like all of the actors in like the big like, you know, action movies. For them to prepare for those scenes, first of all, it's like a nine month workout process. But when they know those scenes where their shirtless are coming up, Basically, it's five days of like barely eating, no water. They're doing the cut. And then people see that and say like, oh, that should be me. And what I'm saying is, no, have a gentler conversation with yourself. What is it you want to be able to do with your life? Do you want to play with your grandkids? Do you want to be able to play soccer with your kids? It's all about finding out where that fitness matches in with the lifestyle that you actually want. What John is describing is not an easy shift. Shifting our mindset from outward appearances to purely function means trying to forget what a lifetime of social media, movies, advertising, and peer pressure has been telling us. But it's time like this that I like to remember the old sacred adage, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. John explained how to take those first steps when you feel like you're starting from absolute zero. Oftentimes, if we are a more sedentary person, our connection with our body just does not exist in any way, shape, or form. And we often find our bodies to be an enemy. We find them to be a foreign object, something that we don't connect to. And even keeping it simple, what if you started like taking a morning walk around the block? What'll happen is your body will start breathing a little bit more deeply. And when that breath moves more deeply into the body, then it starts to stimulate the system. It starts to wake up. It, it provides some dopamine, a little bit of you know serotonin, and, and we feel just that little bit better. And then we do it the second day, and maybe we go a block and a half, and that adds something to it as well. And all of a sudden, we start noticing and relating to our body. We start feeling it in ways that we may not have felt it before. 
And then as you start to introduce yourself to your body, then these questions you and I were addressing earlier, you know, how do I have a body that's fit enough to do the things I want? Then you can start considering those types of questions. You're like, wow, I'm I'm connecting to my body a little bit more. And I do want to be able to like go out and play with the kids when they're playing on the front lawn. That's where maybe we find the movement towards something a little bit more intense that's going to start moving us towards that goal. I also asked trainer Matt Peel about how he suggests people find the motivation to exercise. Here's what he had to say. It's educating, educating yourself on it. If it's outside of our comfort zone, which exercise is for a lot of people, you don't know what to do, so you're ignorant. And and, and I don't say that in a negative way. That's right. what ignorance is. You, you don't have knowledge. So how do I start? Where do I start? And then that becomes intimidating because we look at the Mount Everest of it. Because we're hard on ourselves. Everybody is. We're, we're, all, we're all our worst critic, right? In every yeah. year, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, whatever it may be. We got to start where we can. The point is just get started and Literally, that's where you're at as you listen to this, that I, I don't even own workout clothes or sneakers. Well, start there. Go, go to Target, go to Walmart, buy yourself a pair of cheap shorts and, and a t-shirt and sneakers and put them on. That's really where you're at at this point in time. It's better than nothing. I have to make exercise a priority within my schedule. So it's telling people no. And I think that's where we have a hard time with it is telling others no when you have an opportunity to get in your fitness and whatever that may be. So if you're, if you look at your schedule and you're honest with yourself, you have, all right, well, I have between seven and 8 a.m. or I have between uh, five and 6 p.m. But you continue to schedule things in that time slot, you're not opening yourself that opportunity to exercise. And you have to tell people no and be a little selfish with yourself on this is my exercise. I appreciate Matt's great advice, but I think a lot of times we block off our schedule, we get motivated, we put on the clothes, we set the alarm clock, we do everything we can to set ourselves up for success, but we still end up doing two workouts and then letting the gym membership bills pile up for six months before we feel guilty enough to actually go back. It's still so easy to get stuck in the trap of only exercising because we feel shame, because we feel like there's an external pressure demanding that we hit some sort of exercise quota to be happy. In addition to the logistical obstacles stopping us, there are emotional obstacles that we need to manage in order to find the fulfillment that we deserve. Here's what Matt suggests. That goes back to your personal history. If you've always have had your attitude or whatever it was in your past that turned you off. Uh, you have to go back to that time and that person and forgive and turn that back on, uh, whatever that may be, whether it was something uh, you know, a friend said to you on accident that, you know, who knows, you know, words we have, uh, we, we share with people sometimes we don't understand the, the impact of them and it's never necessarily intentional. But whatever that may be, we've got to go back and undo that that it becomes a priority and we can start a habit and begin that, that habit very slowly. 
Whether it's through therapy, meditation, or just intentional self-reflection, I think Matt's suggestion to revisit the emotional walls that are keeping us from moving our bodies will make exercise more enjoyable, not just after we've reached our goals, but at the start of the journey too. In the Council of Moms, Whitney told me about how she approaches breaking down those emotional barriers. I feel like in terms of like the shame attached to it, I look at like the way I grew up and my mom, she has pretty bad asthma. And so she could never necessarily like get too active in things as I was growing up, but she loved going on walks. That was always what we would do together. And it was honestly, it was a big bonding activity was going outside and going on walks with her. And we all still were super into sports. We were very athletic. Mm -hmm. I don't know that necessarily having a mom who, you know, did her workouts every day or did something like that. uh, From what I can see, it wasn't anything that I then looked at my mom and said, oh, something's lacking or I'm feeling something lacking in my upbringing. And I think that there's just so much more emphasis, I think, in other parts of the world on just joyful movement. Mm, And so if we can connect that to how we use our bodies and just how it feels. Portia de Rossi talked about how she no longer, because she she struggled for a long time and maybe still does, but she struggled for a long time with an eating disorder. And she had very, you know, like low self-esteem and, and just wanted to be as thin as possible. And she really used exercise as a way to make sure she was keeping herself thin. Um, and now as a way to combat that, she doesn't do, you know, quote unquote, regular exercise. She does joyful movement. And so she likes, I mean, she's Portia de Rossi, so she rides horses a lot. <laughs> oh, yes. She yeah. she rides horses. That but would be nice. I think about just even like when my kids are having a fight or something, I will like turn on a song that I know makes them want to oh. dance. And it immediately like switches the mode because I feel mm-hmm. like I just need a shift. Yeah. And as soon as I'm just like dancing with them in the music or something like that, it does. It feels really good to just get a little bit of movement in there. But it's not like I'm like, okay, great. Now let's do some jumping jacks. Yeah. I think it's just what what brings you joy yeah. and, and you're still able to like do the things you want to do. Then that I think is is enough. The way Whitney describes joyful movement definitely feels like the opposite of the guilty, punishing kinds of workouts that we sometimes do at the gym, right? Ultimately, having a healthy attitude about exercise is about looking past the shame and guilt of societal pressure and finding what works for us. We all have different bodies, different lives, and different goals, and we can each find a way to make exercise a joyful part of our individual circumstances. No matter how hard we try, those circumstances are going to change. We're going to get old, kids will grow up, jobs will come and go, and what works now for our bodies might not work down the road. John Sovic talked to me about what it's like navigating these changes. I remember my mom in her 80s found that there was a local mall walkers group, and she went in at six in the morning and did the mall walking. And the thing you understand is my mom was not a social person. So she would go on, she would put on her little baseball cap and like just her little like clothes and shoes. And she would walk them all. She never would talk to anybody. Never. But it was a place that was safe for her. Huh. It was a safe, there was temperate control. She was up in the Pacific Northwest. So it was colder there. But it was this thing she just committed to for herself. 
And oh, it was great. really amazing to watch her do it. And she found the thing that worked for her as her body was aging and she still wanted to stay connected. We are going to change. You know, there are probably 20-year-olds listening to this who are just like, these people are silly. We're going to go out yeah. and we're going to work it all hard. We're going to take the toughest class. Great. Great. Then you might get into your 30s. You might start having a family and kids. Those priorities are going to change. So you need to change your relationship with exercise and body image at that point to understand what's healthy then. And then there's going to be a period in your 50s where your body's going to start talking to you differently. It's going to give you different information. Your metabolism might change. The way your, your fat distributes on your body is going to shift. You need to look at that. And as you go into your 60s and 70s, the idea of doing some type of exercise every day to keep the heart healthy, to look at strength building, to make sure that the muscles and, and ligaments and bones all stay healthy, it's a shifting picture. So what I do now is not going to be the same as what I did at 20. And while we're working to find the exercise that fits us in our particular phase of life, our kids are doing it too. Josephine on the Council of Moms is a PE teacher, and she explained how she helps kids develop a healthy attitude towards exercise. If you think about it, kids generally are born being active. Like you're chasing your toddler all day. Like, don't go there. They're already active. Yeah. But I think as they're growing up and the family culture is like, oh, we just want to sit and watch a movie. Yeah. Right. You change it. And so in their mind, like, oh, we don't do it at home. I don't want to do it because I have an Xbox. I have a game, but I can do it. And then when I have them for PE, they're like, no, my family really don't do any type of movement. So it honestly starts in the home. Yeah. I'm yeah. not a drill sergeant. I don't sit there and I yell at them like, let's go. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I just want you to find your thing because I was like, honestly, when you grow up, no one is going to tell you like, hey, you got to get off the couch. You got to move. No one's going to do that for you. So if you can find something now that makes you happy, even if it's just walking your dog, you will hold on to that. I just want you to find a way that you enjoy doing something you like, but you want to keep doing it. For us and for our kids, like Josephine said, the key to loving exercise, to really enjoying moving your body, is to find what works for you as an individual to move past the superficial pressures of the world and to really figure out what you want to do and what you can do to achieve that. Joyful movement doesn't necessarily mean an expensive gym membership or a personal trainer, but maybe it does. It just depends on what will bring you joy and enable you to do the things you want to do going forward. Here's how John Sovic explains it. What I'm suggesting is the answers are actually sitting right inside your heart. Just got to slow down, breathe. I know it sounds strange to say slow down. We're talking about exercise. No, it does. It's about slow down, breathe, find out what's, what's authentic and natural for you. The Lisa Show is a production of BYU Radio. The show is hosted by Lisa Valentine Clark and produced by McKay Menden, Becca Hurley, and Tabitha Freitas. With music and post production by Sam Clausen and Josh Fouts. Make sure you check out The Lisa Show on YouTube where you can find The Lisa Show Book Club. Follow along as Lisa and guests read through More Than a Body by Lexi and Lindsay Kite.